This may be a little bit of a tough sermon for today, but I do want you to hear the whole thing, so don't turn me off in your mind. Listen to everything that I've got to say, because some of it is going to be a little bit maybe on the difficult side, and uh, you may have a few little bloody toes here and there, but you can handle this. You come to church because you want to hear the truth, and I have all intentions of doing just that, telling you what I believe the Bible has to say. And it affects our lives. We're living in a time right now in America where there's a lot of things that are being said. And uh, some people are just waiting for some crisis so they can jump on it to take away more of our freedoms from us. And we have to be careful. Every time Congress is in session, our liberties are at stake. I like that statement. I need to write that down. So spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the title of today's message, Spiritual Wickedness in High Places. I believe that all problems stems from spiritual negligence. Not doing what God says do produces a lot of problems in our society. Whether it's with an individual, the family, the church, the nation, the whole world. I believe God has given to us things that will work and things that are ideal, but we have left the ideal. We've left the Word of God. Some people want to progress into the future, and I'm saying get back to the old paths, the way that it works, instead of experimenting with life and experimenting with people. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, I want you to notice there in verse 10. We're going to read these three verses. Three verses here are very important, because it's dealing with that which is behind the scenes and God says here in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, unless you're a teenager. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, unless you're an adult and you want to go your own way. It doesn't apply to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Our nation is not strong spiritually. Our churches are not strong spiritually. And our families are not strong spiritually. And most individuals are not strong spiritually. We are governed by the flesh. Governed by the flesh. That old sinful nature that we have. And there's only one thing that can curb the old sinful nature. It's a new one, and it's not more laws. But anyway, look in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Remember, the devil is a liar. He's a murderer. He's everything that we don't want to be. But if he teaches enough people his ways, then this world will be just like the devil wants it to be. In verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, there's another world being lived at the same time ours is going on. And I believe the devil is busy as he can be. And he's got little demons and he's working for them. There's a good possibility some of his little demons came to church this morning. Some of you may have brought them. Somebody said, well, is the Lord at Calvary Community Church? He sure is. I brought him. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior and he indwells you, you brought him too. But it would be great if we could just take and uh, check the old sinful nature at the door. And if we could do that and come in here, no sinful nature, when we left, everybody would pick theirs up and go back to business. So we have to be careful. But there is damage going on in this country. 
Now, I want you to look at what I consider some of America's problems. Our political leaders have promoted a perfect environment for the destruction of our homes, our teenagers, and our country. Now, you may not agree with everything I'm going to say. That's okay. That's all right. Not everybody's right. Not everybody agrees with me, even though when I'm right. But our country has been designed to get to the place where we are today. There's decisions that people have made to get us to where we are in our country. And I'm not that old of a guy that I can't remember when, you know, when you went to school, some of the worst things that we did was playing marbles, what class is going on, or chewing gum, or, you know, coming in late to the class. And once in a while, we'd play hooky. But today, people are killing each other. We didn't do that. And you didn't have to worry about that. But anyway, I want you to look at some of these things on here. Number one, can we truly raise godly children without God, prayer, and loving parents? God designed the family. And he says, and this is what I want you to know. You've got to know me. And, and I want you to, husband and wife, I want you to love each other. Because, you see, the, the kids, they, they can't see God. They, they see mom and dad. And when they see mom and dad, mom and dad is supposed to be a representative of God, of what God is like. And in most homes, they're already split. Most homes are not godly homes. And the kids don't have a good image of what is God-like. Because see, the home should be a little heaven on earth. You'd be surprised how many kids today are coming from broken homes. Some of them, they broke. But there's all kinds of things that are going on in the kids' lives, and they don't have a good mother or father to raise their kids the way they should be raised. They're not being taught the right things. But number two, are our teenagers pleading for God in our schools or for fewer guns? And today, they're all hollering for, we've got to have safety and protection, and so therefore, we don't want nobody having, you know, these guns. They'll outlaw these guns. Our government cannot protect us. And in most cases, they don't. If you don't know how to protect yourself, you could be in a heap of trouble. But there's laws to take away the freedom of so many of God's people because one nut can do something bad. So, why do the teenagers want to kill the teenagers? Isn't that a better question than just taking away the guns? Why do they want to do that? In my day, we didn't want to do that. It's because there's an environment that's been set by people that are infiltrating the kid's mind where they don't know what holiness is or godliness is or righteousness is or morality. They don't know where's right and wrong or how to control their own sinful nature. They don't know the consequences of disobedience and the punishment that should be there because we've not allowed parents to correct their kids anymore. They live under the threat, we'll take your kids away from you. You can't spank your kids anymore. You can't do this anymore. Child abuse. Buddy, if you just saw my mom and dad when they got through with me, you'd have put them under the jail. And that's not a joke, and I'm telling you the truth. But I didn't die. But I'll tell you this, I respected my mom and my dad. I never back-talked my parents one time. Never. 
I was scared to death because I knew what my daddy would do to me. I didn't want to sit close to him because I knew the consequences that if I just looked cross-eyed, if I looked funny, sounded funny, there's a price to pay, bud. You say, well, that's no way to raise kids. No, he didn't know the Lord. And most parents back in those days had a little bit more discipline than some Christian parents do today. Some of the lost people had higher standards of morality than Christians do today. Anyway, y'all get me sidetracked. No, I don't want that to happen. Look at number three. Do we really believe the Democrats and many Republicans want safety for our teens in schools, but will not lift one finger to stop the murder of babies in the womb? Think of how many kids are murdered every day. Thousands are murdered every day. And nobody cares whether they are murdered or not. But if 17 get killed, that is a crisis to jump on and pass some laws because it fits into their agenda. I'm concerned about why somebody wants to do this and how do you curb the real problem. Our politicians have kept on until they have created a perfect environment for the destruction of our country. Our politicians, no, it's not more laws, you need to look in a mirror. They represent the people, the adults in this country. Number four, are we more concerned for the 17 young people that died recently than the 10 millions that will be slaughtered if we surrender our guns? Do you realize that some of these other countries, when they take away all their guns and what happens is eventually the government totally controls everybody and the whole country is one gigantic prison. And they have no rights. That's where we're headed because there are people in our place of government that are communist. And listen to me, many that are in the Democratic Party are communist. And therefore the destruction of our way of life. If all the teenagers across America protested our government to put, what if they just come out and says, we want God, we want God in our schools. Do you think the Democrats and Republicans jump on board? That's a bandwagon. We need to put God in our schools. Remember politicians that took it out. We want Bible in our school. Why don't these kids have enough morality to say it's not the guns? That's not the problem. It's a solution when you have God and the Bible and prayer in your schools. Remember, they didn't want that. They didn't want God. Somebody said, why didn't God stop all of that? God wasn't allowed in the school. But what if the kids came out and says, we want prayer in our schools? Now, that's against the law. We want the Bible in our... Well, now, that's against the law. We want God in our... That's against the law. We can't have him there. We can't have him in government. And many parents today don't have God in their life, and they don't have him in their family. You may know Christ as your Savior and live like an atheist. Many people do. The next statement. Natural causes for our national destruction... Number one, God, prayer, and the Bible are not acceptable in our schools. There's a problem. Because you can't teach morality. What's morality? What's right and wrong? What in the world's a school for? For not to teach what's right and wrong. You say you can't legislate morality. What are you going to legislate? Immorality? Number two, abortion is now acceptable in America. 
Stop and think, does that violate thou shalt not kill? Homosexual behavior is acceptable. And now people want to bend over back to show how open-minded they are. Well, this preacher is closed-minded. Homosexuality is a sin against nature. It's a sin against the home. It's a sin against the individual. It's a sin against God. And no, I do not apologize for saying it. It is a wicked, wicked thing. Men with men, women with women. And if they can accept it, then so can the teenagers accept it. And we're losing our country because we don't have enough adults. We need a revival in this country, a spiritual revival. But we're getting further and further away from truth, and now people don't want to hear the truth. Just pass more laws. Passing more laws doesn't solve the problem. We created this problem. Adultery is acceptable behavior. Can you believe that? Adultery. Isn't there a law against adultery? Isn't there a law in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not commit adultery? Is it in there or not? Adultery is a sin. Adultery is wrong. Men and women living together and not married. Is it right or is it wrong? According to God, it's wrong. And you can't pass a law that will make it right. But it's acceptable behavior. There's no shame anymore. I remember when teenage girls used to blush. I remember when adults used to blush. Ashamed because of something that was done. That you knew it was wrong. Teenagers, college age, sex is acceptable. What do you think goes on with a lot of these spring breaks? Teenagers and college age kids. They're just playing patty cake. And now, it, who wants to get married? Just do whatever you want to do. Everybody does. It's acceptable. Should it be acceptable? And now, see, there's pressure upon churches not to say anything because, you know, if you hit stuff like this, you're going to lose a lot of people in your church. Then let me lose them. But I'm not compromising it. Either I'm going to say this Bible is true and believe it and preach it or take the thing and throw it in the trash. Go live however you want to live. But I'm not dead yet. I'm getting close, but I'm not dead yet. There is still such a thing as right and there's wrong. And the laws of our country can't make what God says a sin acceptable in society. doesn't matter how many people are for something. If it's wrong, it's still wrong. Now, let's look at the other part here. It's a little bit softer. The source of America's problem. What's the source? Where does it come from? Why are we like this? Well, I want you to take your Bible and look in Jeremiah. Jeremiah. All the way back there in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17. And you need to look at it. I know you've got the Bible committed to memory, but just look at it anyway. It makes me think you're, you're following the preacher's advice. But notice there in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. We're going to read from verse 5 to verse 10. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, and shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. 
Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart, here, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, and who can know it? That old sinful nature that you have dwelling within you, it is deceitful. It lies to you. It deceives you. Say, so who has one like that? You and me. We have an old sinful nature, and this is the way we are. Now look what he says in verse 10. I, the Lord, searcheth the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. In other words, you reap what you sow. America will reap what it sows. We cannot magnify the sins that God has condemned in our nation without paying a great price for it. And God is going to judge America. Or he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. But we have cities in our country that are just as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah is in the Bible. And God destroyed them. So we're going to see a lot of things happen. Whenever they came out a couple years ago, I think it might have been that, when about 49 or something people over here in uh, Orlando died. Some guy, I guess, he just shot, killed that many people. And how terrible it was. Is it because they were homosexuals or what? I don't know. I wasn't there. But I know this. If that's a place for it, they shouldn't have been there. To this day, I've never been, I don't go to bars and drink. That, that's not my hangout. I don't have friends. You know, there's some people that got their Christian friends. Then they have their other friends. I got Christian friends. I don't have the other kind. Because you cannot rise above the level of your friends. You got to take and pick wisely. Choose wisely the companions, the friends that you have. Kids need to learn how to Pick wise friends, the people that they hang around, the ones they want to be like. But I want you to see this. Look down in your notes. In Galatians chapter 5, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And it names all of these things. And we're not going to go through those right there. I want you to take and turn your page over and look at page 2. On the back. Because these are words that are used in the Bible, and you need to know what does these words mean. This is that old sinful nature that we have, and this is why people do these things. It's not because they're right. It's because people have a sinful nature, and they want to sin. The reason people commit adultery is because they want to. The reason people lie is because they want to. The reason people steal is because they want to. It's your nature. It's a sinful nature, and more laws doesn't curb these because there are laws against these things. You ever heard that God put some laws down? Look there in the middle of that page, the solution for America's problems. There's a couple of these others I'll go back to in just a minute. These laws are already on the book. Thou shalt not kill. Does it matter how? Well, a guy did it with a gun. Another one did it with a truck. One did it with a car. None had a, a vest on. I know some women that done it with their, their food. <laughs> yeah. 
Whatever it is, you can kill a thousand ways. You don't have to have a law against every one of those ways in which you kill. There is a verse in the Bible, and there are laws in the land. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not kill. You shouldn't do it. Well, he used a handgun. Well, he used a, uh, a rubber band. He, he used a sling. He, he did this. He did a knife. Well, she jabbed him with a fork. And you can have all the laws. But you see, there is a, a move on in this country to disarm America. And it's more sinister than you just think, well, they just want to protect the kids. No, they don't want to protect the kids. It has nothing to do with the kids. The best way to protect those kids is to teach them about God. Tell them the truth about who they are and what they are. But no, we've turned over our educational system to the, the humanist so that they can tell our kids that there is no God. There's no heaven and there's no hell. You're just the highest form of an animal. Sex is all right. And they'll even teach the kids how to do it and supply them with all the condoms they want. When I was growing up, you never mentioned words like that. You didn't even say it. And you know I'm telling you the truth. Look at the top of the page. The word adultery, violation of the marriage bed, a crime or a civil injury which introduces or may introduce into a family a spurious offspring. It's wrong. I seen so many young people today and so many are having kids and no husband committed having babies and no husband oh they got a father but why in the world either it was rape or if it was willingly you ought to know who the daddy is and he ought to take responsibility to take care of that kid and not get on welfare it wasn't the rest of us. It wasn't our fault because you didn't say no. But the top up there, the word fornication, the incontinence or lewdness of unmarried persons, male or female. Sex outside of marriage is wrong, whether you're married or whether you're single. And you can't make it right. A man's not to touch a woman until they're married and vice versa. And women with women is wrong and it's sinful. And some of you need to make sure, stop watching pornography and things like that. If you see something comes on the TV, turn the channel. The next little word I want you to see there is a word called hatred. Great dislike or aversion to hate, enmity, it may spring from offsprings of offenses or injuries done by fellow men or from envy or jealousy. Hate, hate, hate. Have you ever noticed how much... In the news media, people trying to get everybody to hate everybody. I want you to hate that which God hates, which is the sin. People are not hating sin. They're turning against good people who are doing right and trying to take away their liberties and their rights. Christians are being marginalized. You're no good and discriminating against them. And the homosexual is glorified. People living in sin, that's great. Everybody does that. But when you have a person takes a stand and say, well, that, that, that's wrong. Oh, you're the one that's out of place. And the Bible says the day will come, as it says in the book of Isaiah, the children will lead the home. Children. And we're almost to the place where the children, the teenagers, most of them get where they can't wait to vote 
and they'll straighten out this country. They'll take care of all of those established, you know, people that are holding us back from having our fun and doing what we want. Can you imagine what will be in this country when that power that's coming up is going to be unleashed upon this country and they do not have the wisdom of God? They can't even take care of themselves. It's amazing. Now, look at the next statement. Down here at these laws. These laws are already on the books. Thou shalt not kill. Don't we have a law? There's a law. Is killing wrong? Is murder wrong? Is it wrong? It's wrong. And it's not to be. Number two, thou shalt not commit adultery. Is it right or is it wrong? You see, you form your view... Not from the lust of the flesh, not from your own nature. Well, what I think is, whoa, 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 wait. What did God say? Your opinion is like armpits. Everybody got them, they all stink. What does God say? Well, God says it's wrong. Then that's it. Door closed. Decision's made. It is wrong. And it will destroy. Does people do it? Yes, people do everything. Do people lie? Yeah, people lie. But there's consequences. But we bring it upon ourselves. Learn to have a higher standard for yourself. Now, look at this. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Now, let's take a look at the parent's responsibility. Parents can't teach what they don't know. Parents can't teach what they don't know. So this is how God had to start all over again. He took about two million people out of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness and gave them His law. He gave them the word. The moral law, the civil law, the sacrificial law. He gave it to them. And Moses was supposed to teach them. Now, take your Bible and look there in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6. Look how God solved the problem or was attempting to solve the problem. And if people did what God says do, the problem solved. If they don't, he's going to have to chasten and discipline But you'll notice here in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter 6, and look in verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. Now this is for the adults to learn. And adults need to start wherever they are and start learning. This is what they had to do. He says that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, And that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy father hath promised thee in the land which floweth with milk and honey. God promised all kinds of good stuff. He says, now, here's my word. And if you'll do what I'm telling you to do on how to live, it'll prolong your days and it'll go well with you. Well, this is what most people want in the country. But we're getting to where we tolerate sin. We magnify the sin. And it won't work that way. We're violating God's word. Look what he says in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. 
And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And you'll notice, wherever we put this word in here, put the word parents. You put the word parents. And thou, parents, shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou, parents, shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, write them upon the post of the house, and so forth. In other words, parents, you're supposed to know the word of God. You are supposed to live according to the will of God. And the whole law is fulfilled in two statements. One, love the Lord thy God and love your neighbor. And our problems will be solved. All you've got to do is just love the Lord and love your neighbor. And then God tells you how you do it. Today we don't love God and we don't love our neighbor. We only love ourselves, and it's to walk over the backs of anybody else we can to get what we want out of life. And kids have very little respect for the parents today and little respect for authority today. And they don't care and they don't have much to live for. They're like kids without hope. And yet the Bible gives the answer on how to solve these problems. And I want you to see this. Look in your Bible at the book of Psalms. Psalms 78. Psalm 78. And look there in verse 6. Psalm 78, look in verse 6. There's a lot of good verses down through here, but um, don't have time to cover everything. But we'll just start there in verse 5. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. See, there's things that God wants the parents to know so you can teach the kids. Well, parents don't know and they can't teach the kids. The day we farm off the kids to the schools and want the kids to learn character from all those good godly teachers that they have. And many are humanists and some are good teachers, you can't fault that, and some are good principles, but the government will not allow them to do certain things. Now look what he says in verse 6. That the generation to come might know them. Does God say what people need? He knows what the parents need. He knows what the kids need. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Get this. Now here's a reason. That they might set their hope in God. Today we have kids living without hope. They don't know what to live for. And all they have is sex drives at their age. Many don't know what they want. They don't know how to curb it. And they think it's called love and it's nothing but lust. And they don't know the difference. And they think all they got to do is just satisfy. But whenever you satisfy that desire in the wrong way, that desire comes back only stronger and you'll satisfy it the way you satisfied it the last time. And next thing you know, you've got some kids that are ruined. In verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep the commandment, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation. What do we have now with our young people across America? A stubborn and a rebellious generation. Yes or no? Why? Because of parents. Parents are not doing their job. 
but it's so easy. We don't have to anymore. We passed enough laws with our government officials to take away our responsibility. And they will take the kids from you and they'll educate them and they'll take them from you all the way down to K4, K5, whatever they do. And they can train those kids to be however they want. And they're not teaching those kids what this book says because this is not allowed. God is not allowed. Prayer is not allowed. You can't talk to the kids about, let me tell you how you have eternal life. Do you know that serving God and loving the Lord can mean so much to these kids that are left with no hope and like animals because there's nothing to live for? What do you expect them to do? And they look at their mom and dad and do they see a happy mom and a happy dad? And whenever they want to get, do they want to get married? Most of them don't want to get married because they don't want to go through the hell they see at home. They don't know what a good home life could be like. We're destroying them. If we love our children, parents wake up and serve God. Put Him first. Live like you know God and you love God. Be the example you ought to be for the Lord. And give the kids something to look forward to and to live for. I'm not saying we do everything perfect. We don't. We mess up. We can't always have just the right thing to say at the right time. I wish I knew what I know today. I wish I'd have known it 40 years ago. I'd have been a lot better mom and dad. Well, dad. <laughs> Y'all finally woke up. You heard one thing I said. And it was a correction. But God's word says what he wants. Now, look what he says here. In verse 8, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. God expects the children to know him. They expect the parents to teach their kids about the Lord. And when you teach them about the Lord, you've got to teach them what's right and what's wrong, on how to live, and how to love and respect, to how to have some character in life. You know what bothers me is why all these the kids... Without knowing what God's word says, there's no restraint. There's nothing to stop them. Because the sinful nature is going to commit sinful acts. They've got to have something greater. And most people, they, they're not getting that. Most parents today don't go to church. They don't take their kids. Where are these kids going to learn anything? Supposed to? They don't get it in college. They don't get it at home. They don't get it in school. So we're raising up a generation of people that know nothing about the Lord. And we know the Lord, and we ought to do what God wants us to do. Look down at the bottom of the page. The political solution is more laws. Take away guns. More laws. Do something. And what their solution is won't work. There was already a law against guns. There's already a law against killing. But the problem is that sinful nature that these teenagers have. And they don't know how to control it. And that's why he says, Paul says to Timothy, he says, the scriptures, thou hast known them as a child that are making thee wise unto salvation. And the study of the word of God is given by inspiration that the man of God can be taught and instructed and so forth according to the word of God. The word of God gives us the answer. See, the church is, is supposed to teach the truth. Parents come, they listen, they learn, and they bring their kids. Now, when my kids were small, when they were small, 
And I went to church, and I went to church, not before I was saved, but afterwards. We would sit there, and our kids would sit there right there beside of us. My kids didn't go to the Sunday school. They sit right there in the church. And they had to sit there and then listen. And when they got so sleepy they couldn't stand awake, we'd let them lay down on the thing, or they laid down on the floor, or laid in the lap, but they, 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 but they, they learned. You're going to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we took our kids. Did they turn out perfect? No. But they learned some things that even 10, 15, 20 years later, they remember. And I, I think I got two of the greatest kids in the world. I got another one that's up in heaven. But you see, you can't live their life for them, but you've got to give them the tools by which they can make the decisions. They may not always make the right decision, but at least they had the ability to make the right decision because they were taught right. But you can't live their lives for them, and you can't make them make the right decision. You can only give them the right material so they can choose and decide. But today, see, they're not given the option. All I've got is the wisdom of their own mind, and it will not work. It will not last. The only workable solution is God's way. And I believe that God could turn this whole nation around, but it has to be a, a spiritual revival where God's people said, you know, I've I got to have more. I'm going to take and try to be the example that I ought to be. From this day forward, I'm going to strive to be the best father I can be. You may not even have any kids around here. They may be in another state like mine are, but I want to be a good father all the days of my life, not just until they get out on their own. My kids asked me one time, and they didn't know they're going to get something. They want to get that. I said, you can have anything you can afford. <laughs> Love your wife. Treat your wife with respect. Nobody will ever hear me cut down and criticize my wife to somebody else. And she don't do it to somebody else about me. I treat my wife like a queen, and she treats me like a king. And you'll find out that we love each other. We treat each other right. We try to be a good example of what a husband and wife ought to be like. I put myself on the line by saying something like this. Because I know there's always somebody, well, who do you think you are? Uh, yeah, you need, a, you need a Hawaiian punch. <laughs> and don't, I'm not talking about getting on a high horse. I'm not talking about being a, a mean dictator. I'm talking about the husband all rule with love and compliment. You can do that. I want my wife to know this. I would hate to think, hate to think, she could have ever found a better husband than me. Wouldn't that be a shame if a uh, man could have treated her better than what I have? I want to be the best example I can be. And I believe that that ought to be your heart's desire. Be the best mother you could be. For your kids, they may not know and appreciate you like they ought to. But in your mind, between you and the Lord, you ought to, Lord, I want to be the best mother I can be for my kids. And I want to be the best wife my husband could have ever had. Because see, if you're not the best wife with that one you have, how in the world do you think you're going to be good with another man's wife? Another woman's husband. Do what you can with what you have. Love the Lord. Love each other. Love your kids. They may not agree with all of your decision, but they ought to know, my dad loves me. He don't approve of what I'm doing, but he loves me. 
And I don't agree with somebody just because, well, I just want to get along. If I think it's wrong, I'm, it's wrong. But I love you. I don't agree with your decision, but I love you. Look up here. You can unlock the doors now. <laughs> but I, I hope that you understand and take this message correctly. It's not meant to hurt anybody, but I got a hunch it probably will, and somebody will get mad at me. Somebody will say, well, if you had a, an axe to grind with me, why didn't you just come to me? Because I don't know who you are. This hand represents you and me. This wallet represents sin. We all have a sinful nature. God loves us. Now, he hates our sinful nature because we all sin. We all do things wrong. We make unwise decisions. But God loves us. And see, without the Lord, man is on his own. He, there's no hope. All he can do is what he learned from somebody else. But God says, I love you. I hate your sin, and the wages of sin is death. And because we've all broken God's law, the wages is death. Be eternally separated from the Lord. But God says, I want you to go to heaven. Go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've come short of God's perfection. So we can't save ourselves. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. God says, this is the only hope for any of us. See, we're all in the same boat. The Lord's the answer. He's the solution. I remember I used to see those signs all over the place, and I'd drive up and down the highway. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. I said, I don't know what the question is. I didn't know what the question was. <laughs> but Jesus took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And he said, the only thing he wanted me to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for me. So Christ paid for my sins and will give me as a free gift everlasting life. Regardless of what teenagers or colleges or adults have done, regardless of this list and all the sins that we do, God loves us and paid for all of them. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done, God will pay for it. He's already paid for it. And all he wanted you to do is believe he did it for you and he'll save you, give you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. It's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Why not right now in the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, say something simple like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all, but I know I have wronged you. I've broken your law. I've committed sins. I'm guilty. But friend, God still loves you. And he paid for all of your sins. He wants you to go to heaven. And all he wants you to do to go to heaven is to believe that he died in your place and paid for your sins. And you'll go to heaven not because of any good deeds you've done, but because of how good he did. You see, he did that one good deed. He paid for your sins. We'll give you eternal life. And you can go to heaven on what he did for you. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? Just say in your mind, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sin, and I'm going to trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, if you'll do that, I'd like to have prayer for you. So with his bow and eyes closed, anyone at all say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Just slip it up very quickly, put it right back down. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you have already trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. As a child of God, 
God gave us his word. Our views on life, our views on politics, whatever they may be, should come from the word of God. Comes from the Bible. God has spoken. His word is true. Believe it. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. If you will trust the Lord, would you let us know? With you that are in the audience, as a child of God, are you living for the Lord? Are you honoring the Lord? Every husband, the father, the mother, the young people. Are there things in your life that you need to get right? You need to confess to the Lord and say, Lord, I have sinned. I accept your forgiveness. Give me the strength and the grace that I need from this day forward to honor you as your child. And friend, God will bless you. God is a God of second chance and third chance and fourth chance. But you cannot live as you please and flee the results. Don't resist God. Yield to him. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless each one of us. Help us to have the wisdom to do right. And Father, we do pray for our nation. A lot of things happen. A lot of young people are justly scared. They don't have any hope. Many don't know you. Many adults, they don't have a clue what to do. And the politicians are just carrying it through, doing whatever's right in their own eyes. But Father, we could have a great movement back to your word. Lord, we need a spiritual revival in our country. But it starts with individuals that hear, know you, and love you. And we just commit ourselves to you. Thank you for this church. Help us to be a lighthouse, a lighthouse of truth, a pillar of truth. We thank you for what you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.